welcome back to Tiny Voice Talks. And I am so excited today, as I always am, but even more so because Tiny Voice is talking all about identity with one of my very favourite authors, Vashti Hardy. So welcome, Vashti, to Tiny Voice Talks. Hi, Toria. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy, you know, yes, whenever I, I remember when I first sort of met you and I was somewhat... Well, I was. I I think I went quiet, which is very, very rare, actually, and that lasted for about two seconds, and then I just started waffling on at you. But I, you know, you just I I love your books, as you know. Oh, thank you. That's really lovely to hear. And I remember meeting you, and I know we were in Stenning Bookshop, weren't we? We were, we were, and it's like, oh my goodness, the real Vashti Hardy's here. And, uh, you know, I have had you on a pedestal for some time, but whenever you walked in, it's like, oh my gosh, it's royalty. Oh, um, so for th- so sweet. Do you know what, though? I'm like that with you teachers, with the teacher, we <laughs> the teacher crew, I'm exactly the same. I love um, connecting with you all and just, yeah, it's really, I always feel like it's such a privilege to meet in real life. So, um you know, unfortunately, we can't do so much of that this year, but <laughs> hopefully it will be different next year. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. So for all of those that don't know who Vashti Hardy is, who is Vashti Hardy? Well, I guess um, first and foremost to um, to the, the sort of the teacher crowd, I'm an author of children's books. Um, on a more personal note, I'm a mum to three grown-up sort of 21, 19 and 17-year-old children off at uni and college doing their thing and um, and a wife as well. Um, and, you know, on a personal note too, a story creator, <laughs> which is, you know, really important to me in my personal and professional life. That's, uh, yeah, I, I love the way you, you talk about your personal, but also your professional, you know, that what it, what makes you a you know what makes you you so did you always want to be an author a writer I did ever since I was at school at primary school which Mm. for me was a hugely beautiful place I loved primary school I can remember the first moment that I walked into the hall of my primary school and I couldn't believe my luck they were building an enormous house that they had these huge bricks and I think I just remember like just peeling away from my mum's hand and running towards these bricks thinking this is brilliant look we can make a great big house in this hall (laughs) and in that moment I was just hooked and it was a place of story um song and play my primary school so stories became embedded in in me very young because at home my parents didn't really read us bedtime stories Mm-hmm. Um, so going to school, that was my, that was where my imagination really got to sort of go wild through, through stories. So from that moment, really, that's when I wanted to be a writer. And it was set off really by one, one teacher read a book to us called Rebecca's World, mm-hmm. um, which I often talk about actually. <laughs> and I know there's lots of teachers out there that probably have fond memories of this book too, or have it on their shelves. Um, an old an old battered copy and when the teacher started reading this to us that changed everything for me because it just opened my my mind that you could travel to other worlds through story and 
And in this, you know, as a brief summary, this girl, Rebecca, gets magically transported through a telescope to another planet. And then she goes on this great adventure to discover where the last tree is on that planet and do something about this awful baddie, Mr. Glister. Um, so uh, it's, um, yeah, that I could see the pictures in my imagination when I was yeah. in school. And it just made me want to want to do that myself to be able to create places that people could escape to and travel to I think it's it's so it can never be rated highly enough the importance of teachers reading aloud to children and uh, you know opening up those other worlds to them I remember so clearly I, we, I had Mrs Svitska and Mrs Svitska read Gobelina the witch's cat and I remember she used to let us it sounds really silly she used to let us lie with our head on our arms while she was reading and this found, felt very very decadent mm. to be allowed to, to sit in the classroom with our head on our arms just listening to a book but oh it was wonderful and I remember just being filled with this wonderful warm sensation when I was just being read to by her and to this day, I, you know, I'm a strong advocate of reading aloud to mm. children whenever I possibly can, as I as I know you are. Yeah, absolutely. To me, when, you know, both when I was at school and as a teacher, it was the most important part of the the day to me. Um, and it was that, it was that, you know, that time just to let your imagination really grow and expand. And I think especially for children, you know, where maybe their their home life is quite, you know, maybe they don't have parents that read to them, or mm-hmm. maybe they don't have um, the opportunity to visit different places very often, and see different worlds. For for those children, being able to disappear into the pages of a book is a magical experience. Do you know, I always say to children when I'm on school visits, I always say to children that their imagination is their superpower. Um, Because if you think of it with your imagination, there are no walls, there are no boundaries, anything is possible. You can go forward in time, back into the past, to a galaxy far, far away. Uh, you can run with dinosaurs. Anything that you want is possible through your imagination. And that is such, it's a great leveller as well, because we've all got it. doesn't matter, you know, who you are, where you're from, how much money you've got. We've all got an imagination and it's our biggest asset. Yeah, you're so right. And actually, while you were talking, I was just thinking about a conversation I had recently about Brightstorm with someone and how imagination has sort of lent itself to that. Because whenever I'm reading Brightstorm, I read, now I've forgotten the character's name, which is dreadful because I'm sitting here with the author. Is it Mary? Um, Harry, are you thinking Harriet or Felicity Wickety, maybe? Felicity, that's it, Felicity, (laughs) yes, so Felicity Wiggity, Mm. I have, you know, it comes, when when I'm doing her voice, she talks a bit like this, like this is how Felicity talks when I'm like reading her, and and I was talking to someone the other day, he said, really, she's got an Australian accent when I read her, (laughs) and I thought, it was fascinating, because that, you know, it sounds silly, but our imaginations take us Mm. to actually 
developing further the identity of the characters that we're reading because Mm. you give them names and you give them so many facets and details but actually I'm not sure that anywhere it says exactly what accent she's meant to have. No it doesn't and I I guess that's the beauty of having building a world that's mm. feels familiar in that it could be an alternative version of of um, England in some way shape or form in a different mm. galaxy but also you you know those those things are left open to the reader to to find their own way with a little bit so with Felicity I think one of the reasons why she has so many different accents when when she's read like in the audiobook she's a she's got lovely Geordie <laughs> Geordie <laughs> really works and she's had like you know, Devonshire kind of accent. Yeah, you know what it is. I think it's because her identity. She is a cozy, warm hug of a person. She, oh, isn't she just? Isn't she? She's reliable. Oh. She would, you know, if if you were having a bad day, you would want Felicity Wickety there with a cup of tea, and you really would. <laughs> yeah, we all need a Felicity, and that's the role she plays in in the book. She is that warm hug of a person, and maybe that sort of you know, regional accents sort of work well for her because it gives that sort of more intimate, cosy feel perhaps to it. I'm just throwing out <laughs> ideas there. Yeah, one. it's really interesting. So when you're writing your characters, do you have an idea of their voice in your head? Like, can you hear them speaking? Um, a little, a little bit, um, I can. It's very hard to sort of think how you hear it when you're writing I know yeah. I, heard, I heard somewhere um that Dickens used to stand in front of a mirror when he was reading and so he could really sort of in, you know just make the characters um, envelop him and when he was sort of producing the voices to really sort of show himself show how the character was which I think is quite mm. good that'd be quite a fun thing to do in school wouldn't it with children to kind of like if you're writing a character like let's stand in front of the mirror and <laughs> and really try and you know feel who this character is the their little facial exper- expressions and the the nuances in their voices and things um but yeah I kind of have a you know to me yeah Felicity is is she's a little bit sort of you know um Sarah Millican <laughs> yes yes she is yeah it's it's fascinating really um so jumping jumping back a bit because you've mentioned that you were a teacher before you're an author so how did how did you become a teacher was that was that always something you wanted to do as well Mm, I think it grew from my how much I loved my my primary my infant school it sort of those when you have a good experience you kind of take those cozy feelings on with you and I kind of thought that would suit me to be part of that and I always loved different subjects I loved science I loved English I loved maths I love art I love PE um and I was I was kind of good at all all of them I didn't particularly excel in any one thing but I was good at everything to a certain Mm. extent and I I loved finding about everything especially sciences so I thought well primary teaching that kind of you get to do a bit of everything there so that suits me and actually that's why writing I think suits me even more is because (laughs) you really get to explore 
all the things that you you really love in life and are really curious about in your your own identity your own personality you know writing is a fabulous place to explore those questions that we you know grapple with on a personal level so teaching was another way of doing that and also because I you know writing being an author it's one of those things as a child you think it's something that other people do you don't think it's something that someone like little old me from Southwick in West Sussex could could do you know I'm not you know I wasn't you know born into money or anything like that I thought oh that's something that wealthy people do that sort of are brilliant and just get it right first time <laughs> and you know it's obviously not the case <laughs> how did that happen because I think everyone there is so I mean I know I would love to write a book but where do I start what do I do I think I've always been very tenacious in my mm-hmm. outlook and sort of as while when I was younger I I wanted to world build and I wanted to write stories and I didn't I thought I didn't think it was something accessible but I always believed in myself as being able to give it a good old shot (laughs) and I thought do you know what if I got to a point in my 20s where I thought if I if I was at the end of my life and I was looking back what would I regret not having done which I think sometimes is a good way to look at things, sort of look in the future and then look back and then put in steps to avoid having any regret if you can. So for me, I thought if I was at the end of my life, I would regret not giving writing my all. I'd regret not trying. I don't, you know, failure, if you've tried everything you can, is I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah because you learn so much anyway, but I, I just thought, do you know what? I'm just going to focus on learning my craft and and seeing where I can go with this. And I, I didn't really sort of felt like I had things that I wanted to explore that other people would perhaps connect with. Um, so I, I just started doing some courses, some writing courses. I did one at Sussex Uni to start with, uh, writing diploma, which was brilliant. And I remember the tutor saying, um like you you're you're going to feel like you're at the bottom of a mountain now um but each sort of each story you write each um step you make is going to take you a little bit higher up there and I remember thinking do you know what I quite like that challenge of of being at the bottom and thinking right (laughs) here we go I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen I'm gonna put everything into it which is probably why I write characters like Arthur and Mordy, who they kind of um, that boldness and tenacity and and yes absolutely they are incredibly tenacious mm, which which I really I like um yeah I kind of value that in in people people that have you always been tenacious I think so yeah I don't know why or where that comes from particularly <laughs> but I think I have you know I like everyone I have my you know self-doubts and um you know, times where things don't go so well, but somehow I I always think to myself, just, you know, hold your nerve with things and approach it with positivity and um, intelligence and tackle the things that you want to tackle. Um, what I also like, though, is that you said, you know, you didn't just say, so I wanted to write a book, so I did. 
actually you put in place what you needed you sort of built mm. up the skill set and you refer- referred to it as learning your craft mm. which I think is a really powerful way of putting it that actually you went about learning your craft you knew what you wanted to do but you needed to build up the understanding mm. of how to get good at that and I think sometimes we can I know as children, but also as adults, we can stumble across that one and, and think, oh, well, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just do it. But actually writing is a craft and, and a rather tricky one, I would say. Yeah. Do you know, I often um, if I'm running courses uh, for adults um, about writing, I often say that it's a bit like creating a tapestry, but one of the most complicated tapestries you'll ever create think Bayer style <laughs> levels of tapestry <laughs> and you are as the author as the writer you are behind this this tapestry and you are handling so many different threads at so many different levels in so many different ways but at the end of it you want this very pure beautiful complete picture that you're trying to sort of show you know the reader isn't going to see all these threads and all the hard work behind it they want this beautiful picture that they're going to have a connection with and is going to say something to to them that's going to speak to them so that's that's kind of a good way of thinking of it it's a bit like being a teacher actually isn't it you're you're kind of like as especially primary I think Mm. teachers are they're you know again handling so many different threads in what you do and yet you're kind of trying to bring it all together in this this sort of the the environment of your classroom um and it's it's not an easy job is it no it isn't and I I love that I'm I'm all about imagery and I can just Mm -hmm. I've sort of I'm imagining all the different threads being all the different characters all the different situations etc and and you're making up it makes absolute sense that actually as the reader I want all those threads to be beautifully woven in by the end of the book because I want to know what happens to each one of them. Mm. And there's nothing worse than if you read a book and then suddenly a character drops off and disappears for no reason whatsoever and you think, what happened to that character? Mm. And that bothers me for the rest of the book, actually. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, there's nothing more annoying, is there, than not sort of not feeling... It's it's a funny thing because you want the story to feel inevitable when you get to that place, but you don't want it to feel obvious. <laughs> so you yeah, have to yes. look back and say, "Oh, I yes, I that all seems right for this story," but you don't want it, you know, right as a reader, you don't want to feel like, "Oh, yeah, I know exactly how this is all going to pan out," because that's that's you know just disappointing. So it's those to juggle those things is is tricky, but you can do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the twists and the turns. So many. Mm, it's a, there, I think if you really love questions as a as a human, um, and you like answering questions and you like problem solving, then writing is a great thing to do. Just for you know, for fun anyway, not necessarily with a, a kind of a goal or anything. Um you're quite right. It, it's it is you know it is all about asking and answering questions and and problem solving and, and all of that. Now we entitled this episode identity because both mm. of us are slightly obsessed with names. Mm. And one of the questions I had for you originally was your name Vashti. It's not really a West Sussex sort of you know Southwick name. No, so it, where did it come from? Well, my 
my mum found it in a name book, which is a bit of a boring story, really. <laughs> you know those name books. <laughs> but she was just, I think she was looking for something interesting and just sort of saw it and thought, oh, yeah, that's that's sort of unusual. And, you know, if if I talk to her about my name now and say, oh, you know, it's a bit of an odd thing to, <laughs> to call it. <laughs> it's a bit of an odd name. She she gets a little bit um, affronted, <laughs> and she's she's gets a bit defensive, and will say yes, but it, you know it it'll get you remembered. <laughs> I guess she's kind of right. It is a kind of quite unusual um, name, but it's in origin. I think it's Persian, mm-hmm. which I actually quite quite like it's been pointed out to me that I think it's in the bible somewhere there was a queen Vashti there is and it also means beautiful I've just looked it up good there you go we'll take that yeah take that (laughs) I think she's seen as one of the early feminists as well so um, nice which is I like as well you know as if you know my books you know that I like to create worlds where gender's never been a barrier to absolutely which is, you know, that's, I take the approach of, you know, present, sometimes in story, present the world as you would like it to be, which through fantasy is a really, you know, it's a great, <laughs> a great vehicle for doing things like that. So, um, yeah, I quite like having that link in my name. But of course, with your name, you have no control over initially what you are named, your parents or, um, you know, or whoever is, looking mm. on you is they 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 name you well you're sort of stuck with that name aren't you and, and I mean my, I, I am originally Victoria and I've been known as Toria now for many 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 years but I remember when similar to your mum when I said to my mum oh I, I think I might actually just officially change my name to Toria and get rid of Victoria everywhere mm. she was really affronted mm. well why would you want to do that she said and I said <laughs> because I don't feel like a Victoria I'm a Toria I'm not a Victoria and she was like, but why would you want to get rid of that? Yeah, so what's- parents can be quite defensive about it, can't they? Because they do take time in choosing these names. But actually, it's quite, it's a strange, illogical thing to do in some ways, isn't it? To name a child. And that becomes, it's so entwined with your identity, isn't it? It your is. Name, all this, what's in a name? Oh, so, so, so much is in a name. And yet, it's the part of us that we do not choose I guess we you can choose to change your name if you want to and that's where it's it's lovely if you've got a name like Victoria there are so many things you can do with it to make it kind of envelop more your personality in the way that you want it to whereas some some like my daughter um one of them is called Meg (laughs) so she hasn't got really where to go (laughs) oh god bless her she's got M yeah Yeah, maybe yeah in fact she she gets called Meggie (laughs) so we it does get expanded yeah but, um, it's funny, actually, yeah. isn't it? The way names can get expanded. You can't do a lot with Vashti either. No, no, you can't really. So what are the variations on your name? Bash, which is a little bit, I don't like it. It's quite harsh, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's pretty much it. And then it's it's nicknames all the way um, from there, like uh, James Nicole and Lorraine Gregory, my good author friends, call me Moo. And the reason they call me Moo <laughs> is because um, in... In France, you may, if you can speak French, you'll know that the French word for cow is vache. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, get that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Which which my sister-in-law called across the supermarket 
to me. We're <laughs> 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 thinking, why is she calling her a cat? Yeah, my gosh, what's she done wrong to her? Well, she's clearly offended her. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so Moo is, became my, <laughs> my nickname with James and Lorraine after I told them that story, which is sweet. But that's one way of kind of um, enveloping your identity, isn't it, in your in your in your name I know like often my mum will talk about her aunts and uncles and they're never whoever their their names were aren't necessarily the names that they were like christened with or anything like my mum has spoken about her uncle Mike a lot and it, it wasn't his name he played he was in one of the early productions of Peter Pan in like about 1910 I think it was and he played Michael one of the one of the children in it so he became to them they all knew him as uncle mike not edward or whatever his real name was bizarre isn't it it's like Mm. my my dad was he was tom but no one ever called him tom they all called him george and i i never knew why i never ever found out why they just called him george his second name was george but i didn't understand why they didn't use so maybe that was reason that probably was but he was never known as tom but then again, his dad was George, and every cousin under the sun seemed to be called George. Mm. But they were all George. And then my mum is, so she, everyone knows her as Pearl. But actually, she, her, she was christened Margaret. But because her mum was called Margaret, she got named Pearl, which is what Margaret means. It's really, it's lovely, isn't it? Kind of, It's fascinating. And actually, I think, when I name characters, it's one of the funnest things. <laughs> Do you name, now this is my big question, do you name your character before you've created them or once they've actually spoken a bit, does a name suddenly pop into your head at that point? It's a bit of a fusion, I would say, that mm. that happens at the same time. So when I'm um, sort of creating a story, when I'm in the early stage of, musing the world and the heart of it and the storyline and the characters and how it's all going to hang together in the plot it's all kind of coming together at once so I might think of a a character and I'll be thinking of their personality what they stand for and their main sort of traits and their position in the story and I, I use that as a point to to sort of start thinking about their name and what would best perhaps envelop who they are as a person so for example brightstorm arthur and morty brightstorm mm-hmm. you know their their names are quite kind of regular they feel a bit sort of old-fashioned d which um kind of evokes that sort of steampunky uh slightly victorian yes. vibe to it but brightstorm more importantly i wanted to name that that said something about who they were so i thought well they're really positive generally and they're also really strong and bold and tenacious so I was thinking what if I mix a more positive word and and a quite a bold word so bright and storm so bright being the positive storm being kind of the strength in it nice yeah it just worked really really well or someone like Felicity Wiggerty who you mentioned earlier it's got a rhythm to it like Felicity it does and it's just such a gorgeous name and I can't believe I didn't remember it at the time oh no that's all right you know no Um, I'm forgiven now thanks I I, I can't even remember my own character's name (laughs) (laughs) but it it is it's it 
it just rolls off the tongue. And again, it gives you that sort of warm feeling just like she does, which is mm. fabulous. So what mm. about the, the nastier characters? Do, do, yeah. do you feel their names before or what happens? Uh, yeah, it takes me, I have to kind of actively think, sometimes it'll come to me in an instant and I know I've hit it. Like say, for example, Hermitage Rigglesworth, not a baddie, but um, mm. in Dark Whispers in the sequel. Now, Hermitage Rigglesworth, like came to me in an instant it was just right for him whereas yeah. um some characters I'll have to brainstorm a lot of different names until I get it exactly right so I think Eudora Vane took me a little while to kind of um well, she is so evil that woman yeah and you know she is I, I like sorry for, sorry sorry for to ruin the book for anyone no. that hasn't read it yet yeah. gosh she's that woman is evil pretty black-hearted <laughs> <laughs> she she's a I I call them sugar-coated baddies you know these baddies where yeah what you see on the outside isn't necessarily what's going on in the inside and this is kind of this comes back to the identity thing as well doesn't it it's it's I'm very curious about what makes us who we are and what how we choose to mm. project ourselves to the world and what's really what's going in on the inside and she is Eudora is a you know she's a definite wolf in sheep's clothing is it she she really is and it's funny because when I started reading because I do have different voices for every single character quite hard to remember mm. whenever I'm reading a book but for her it was so soft and silky and smooth her mm. voice you know just very very gentle That's and it, you know and that's just how she is but then she's got this awful side to her that is just what's going on underneath mm. oh yes and but for some reason it just screams out yeah she's she's um you know I love exploring her and her relationship with Arthur and Mordy because you know if you've read the book you know the huge spoiler about who she is mm. oh my gosh I I had to pick myself up the floor uh, off the floor when I read that. It is it's me exploring this idea of of family and how mm. that contributes to your identity. And yeah. you know, does does blood make a family? Does just because you happen to be born into into a a family into a bloodline, what does that mean? really um because you know brightstone might be an adventure an expedition story but at the heart of it it's all about family it's what yeah. makes family arthur and mordy lose a huge part of their identity when they lose their father and that's mm. really you know arthur is searching for his identity especially mordy she's kind of she's a bit more she knows i think arthur often says things like he can see the Mordy shaped space in the world that she fits, but he can't see his own so much. So he's exploring who he is and this whole way that um, the families work and what family means in their their hometown of Longtown and the ex esteemed explorers and Yodora Vane and what she stands for in her family and what her what their father stood for. That's that's everything that I'm exploring. And of course, along the way. They meet this wonderful kind of ragtag crew in, <laughs> in Harriet and Felicity and Welby and the rest of them. Mm. And yet they really are the ones that become their family um, by the end of the story. So it's like this, this idea of 
you know, if if you are let down by your own family in some way, your blood family, that there is hope and there is there are places to find family elsewhere. If you if you you know, that's I think that's a really important thing to explore. And it's it is such an important message. It really is because I think you know, family, family is so, so, so important, but actually Mm. there is so much more in the world than just Mm. our family. And for those, I think it's a very, very powerful message for so many. It really is. And that, I think that's why I love the books and, and the exploration with identity that goes through it, because I think we are all exploring our identity the whole time and discovering who we are and in each day discovering a little bit more about ourselves you know you were Vashti the teacher you're now Vashti the author and I have no doubt you're continuing to explore you know who Vashti is yeah I think that's the wonderful thing isn't it we do um over our whole lives it's something we continue to to explore Mm. and and it changes as you grow but but also the essence of who you are kind of is rooted as well in you or hopefully or often it is I I guess sometimes I think you're right I think the essence is absolutely there but I think it's it's things like um for me developing the confidence to do things that I would never have thought that I could have done before similar mm. to what you're saying about the writing etc mm. you know who knew that I could do podcasting and, and all of that sort of stuff and and actually that I that part of my identity has has developed and grown and it's quite exciting actually yeah. um, and you know what I think it's really important for you know both children and adults to to know is is that you have to be willing to put yourself in a place of discomfort often yes find that you have to be willing to put yourself out there and to do things that are difficult and maybe scary at first and then that's where you grow that's where you find that growth is by taking yourself to those places of exploration in your identity and then you know just being a bit bold being a bit brave being a bit tenacious and then seeing what happens with that and hopefully you find yourself in a place that is a bit more you and where you learn a bit more about yourself do you find that Toria? absolutely and it's funny when you were talking earlier I do doodle uh, when I, when people are talking and I doodle these weird things and I doodle to Cliff um, because when you were talking originally about your writing you said about um, your lecturer saying to you about you know you basically climbing a mountain mm. And a lot of the time we can look up that mountain and we can look to the top and go, oh, my goodness, that's a long way to go. Where do I even start? But what I often remember and have to remind myself of is that we only climb a mountain one step at a time. And we don't need to do all the steps in one day. We just need to put one foot in front of the other and start. Mm. And actually, I think, you know, talking to you, you will inspire so many people to go, actually, do you know what? I'm going to book onto that writing course. I'm I'm, I'm going to give it a go because I think there are so many budding authors out there that just need permission to give it a go and know yeah. that actually it's not going to be an easy journey, but it's absolutely one that if they put one foot in front of the other, they may well discover they, their identity as an author. Yeah, you, you just don't know. I think just trusting your, your gut on things and following your heart in your interests and things you you just you don't know where you could 
end up. It's funny, actually, with what you just said, there's um, in Wild Spark, my second book, there is um, Prue who lost her brother. One of the advice mm-hmm. pieces of advice he gave her is to, I think it's something like put, you know, do one, put, make one step at a time and then the next thing you know, you're climbing mountains. Or maybe I took it from there, you see? That you know, just no, I think it's just one of those things, isn't it? But it is, it's like, you know, um, that's pretty solid advice, I think, isn't it? Just like, yeah. It is. Anyway. What? I just think one foot in front of the other and you never mm. know what you'll be doing next. Yeah. So, as you know from my podcast, I always finish mm. with one final question, which is everyone always goes, oh, my goodness, too. So if you could have been taught by anyone, living or dead, who would have been your perfect teacher? Oh, gosh. Do you know what? This probably depends um, what day you ask me who I would choose. But, but <laughs> do you know what? Right now, right now, the person that pops into my head at this precise moment would be Margaret Atwood, I think. Oh, nice choice. I think every time I listen to her speak, every time you know, I seek out something that she's, <laughs> she's done. I, I just, I'm so entranced by her. And so I just, she's just, um, I love the sort of thing she explores in her stories. And she's just, she fascinates me. And I think I could listen endlessly to her musing story and, and life and things that or possibly Joanna Lumley, because she's just a, Oh, she's fabulous. as well. She's a, yeah. She's just a, a a beautiful person and really um you can listen to her all day can you and she just seems like a, a like a, a, a just really kind nice interesting person. well she's like a felicity wiggerty but with a posh accent oh my gosh she would be a brilliant felicity wiggerty wouldn't, wouldn't she? she just oh yes but from now on i shall i shall um see joanna lumley <laughs> i love that so much we could chat about here but we could we could we could keep going actually but as as i as you know i'm aware that you you've only committed a certain amount of time to me today and not 24 hours so um for all of the teachers (laughs) <laughs> absolutely I know you love connecting with teachers and teach and you are so mm. good at connecting with us so um for all those teachers out there that aren't sure how to connect with you what's the best way so really um twitter is a great way <laughs> to connect I often have I you know if teachers are using brightstorm in the classroom or any of my books you know I'll often and they sort of flag up or tag me um then I always just say, you know, if the kids ever want to say hi to an author or have questions as they're reading, then just tag me in them or, you know, mm. tag me in any work you want to celebrate or show. And I'll, I'll always, um, you know, get back and message and um, so that the children can sort of make that connection. And I just, yeah, I, I just love it. So Twitter's a good place, Instagram as well. I'm on there. I mean, the good thing about having Vashti Hardy is a name, <laughs> you just have to put it in and I'm sure you'll find me quite easy. I think I'm at Vashti underscore Hardy on Twitter. And also, yeah, you are pretty easy to find, right enough. Yeah, you just need to put in Vashti Hardy and you appear everywhere. Or via my website is the other the other place where I try and post um, things, examples of things that other teachers have done in school um and any helpful sort of resources and things are on there so that I'm a big believer in you know sharing the sharing the the sort of the the knowledge and the ideas and things like that so 
um, that's somewhere that I can try and pull it together if that helps people. Uh, but yeah, if you just if you're using Brightstorm, if you just do hashtag Brightstorm, you'll probably see um, examples of things that teachers have have done in the classroom with it. I'm always so blown away by what they do do. Gosh, the creativity that comes from teachers and children with that story is just astounding. And I love seeing it. So do tag me. It must make you feel so good. It really must. Seeing you know, all of these things that have come from your imagination. It's it's a real honour that, yeah. I, I For some reason, teachers have just taken that that story and just run with it. And I loved, I think it's so important for teachers to enjoy it as well when they're you know mm. they're reading a book and when they're using it as a basis maybe for you know a half term of of work you know if the teacher is loving it then that's going to sort of be so much that's going to come through to the children and it's just going to be a much more joyous experience for everyone so um that's a real honor to know that teachers do enjoy it and do take it to their hearts and you know we're all part of the same one big crew I think with that book we really are. Vashti Hardy, you have been absolutely wonderful to talk to and I really hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Oh, thank you so much, Toria. You've been brilliant and yeah, I love chatting to you.